Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Good. You, that was the correct answer, by the way. And uh, so, very, very good. Well, welcome to our second part of our talk on the power of words. And uh, if this is your first Sunday here with us, and uh, either here or also online, just want to thank you for being here. And again, my name is Rich Hendricks. I'm the family pastor here uh, at Linworth. And uh, so just want to make sure you knew that. But we're glad that you're joining us, especially online, too, that you have an opportunity uh, to be with us. So, okay, guys, are you ready to move from the dark side? Okay, good, good, because I'm not going to. I'm not going to go play in that pond. I'm going to come over to the light, okay? But if you weren't uh, with us last week, we began to look at the power of words in our series in Proverbs, uh, The Grounded Life. And we had a, an anchor verse that we used for this uh, two-part mini-series about words, and it's Proverbs 18.21, and it says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so last week, we concentrated on what I termed was the dark side of Proverbs 18.21, which in essence is that the words have power, okay, to do damage to our relationships. It has the power to affect our communities, our communities that we are involved in as friends and as a church, and also even to ourselves. And so this week, we want to turn to the light side and explore the ways that we that can help us, words that help heal those that are hurting. Now, it's obviously a Star Wars reference here, right? And um, but I couldn't go to the Force. I couldn't do you know the dark side and the Force and all that. It just just didn't work. So, um, but in our context of a church, John one five says it's it's perfect here. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, of course, being the light, so much better than the force. So much better than the force. Um, although, I don't know any of you nerds out there, I've always wanted a lightsaber, though, right? Yeah. Why do I look at you? I mean, yes, it was kids last week, and now it's nerds. I, I am so sorry. <laughs> you forgive me? Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Um, but 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 a, a way of a quick review here, last week we explored the ways in which words um, hurt. And we looked at four ways of uh, just a ton that can be found in Proverbs. Remember, there's like 150 Proverbs that deal with of the tongues, uh, words, and speech. And so they were when our words are rash and reckless. Uh, secondly, when they are dishonest. Um, in other words, when we lie. Uh, and the other one was gossip, and we also used, we coupled slander there, but we kind of concentrated on gossip. And so what did we learn about gossip? What we learned is that uh, we learned that it can reveal secrets, that it can betray and it can destroy friendships, that it creates strife, and that it can destroy character, integrity of both the target of the gossip and slander, and then also the person themselves who might be doing that. And then finally, if you remember, the last one was a little bit different. It's words that we refrain from saying. So words that we don't say that we probably should have spoken in that time, which would have brought healing, but we, we held on to those. So before we go much further, let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you. 
for, for being with us, for being in our lives. Lord, thank you that um, you are constantly changing us, growing us, challenging us. And uh, Lord, we thank you that you used your word to, and specifically uh, to have this book, Proverbs, written, where there's so much great life instruction there. Um, not laws, but principles on, on how to move through this, this earth that we were stuck on for right now. And Lord, I just pray that you would use this morning uh, to continue to challenge us, um, to teach us how we can be people that bring healing through our words to our friends and to our family and to our community. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. As we work through this this morning here, I want you to be thinking about this statement. You can write it down. I'll say it a couple of times. What kind of impact do I want my words to have when I open my mouth? What kind of impact do I want my words to have when I open my mouth? So maybe when you talk, your goal should be like this. You'll never regret the purchase of a good stock. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, my broker says it's a real good buy. What does your broker say? Well, my broker's E.F. Hutton. And Hutton says... When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Okay, half the room is like... <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us, we watch those commercials, right, growing up. And, of course, it means something to us. Um, but wouldn't that be great when you said something that people would want to hear what you had to say? Because you uh, have shown yourself faithful in the use of, of your words and that you use them uh, wisely. So uh, we get around a, a bit here, but, uh, but I don't want to lose the gravity and power that words have. So we're going to circle back one more time to our anchor verse and um, in our theme verse, and it is death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so think of it this way. God can use you and me and the words that we speak to bring healing to hurting people. And God sovereignly, and I believe this, places us in situations in, and places where he gives us space to be used by him, by the things that we say to people that are in our world and who he brings us into. Now, there's many of you, and it's mostly the staff and elders that, that know this, but um, about seven weeks ago, my dad had a heart attack and um, out in California. And at this time, he's still in the intensive care unit. It's been seven weeks. He... Um, um, you know, we're just praying he gets out of it. And, um, and so a few weeks ago, I was able to um, fly uh, back to California. And um, because of the crazy COVID situation, many of you have experienced this here. Um, we, you know, we weren't able to get in and see him. And he was at a smaller hospital. And he had, um, it was like the wing of the IC unit. It was like on one wing, but on the back side of this, so the rooms are here, there was windows, so we could go back behind where all the air conditioners are and everything. We could look through the windows 
and and we could see my dad and so um so he's he's back there and you know he's intubated he can't breathe we you know we can't get his attention or anything like that um and so obviously it was very frustrating and many like i said many of you have experienced that during this COVID time and then what was really cool is that god opened up this window of time and I got to be with him for 15 minutes. And so they let, they let me inside the hospital for 15 minutes. He was pretty out of it. He was, you know, intubated. Um, and so I went over to the side of his bed and I grabbed his hand and, and, and I spoke to him. And he turned towards me and his eyes just, I don't know if you can, just widened and connected, and, um, you know, he locked his eyes with me there, and, and, and so I was able to speak love, you know, to my dad. I was able to use words. I was able to use God's word, and so I read scripture over him, and then I prayed over him, and then when my time was up, you know, I, I, tried, to, I tried to leave, and, and he, he, he tightened the grip on my my hand and he pulled me and he wouldn't let me leave. And I knew that God created that moment for me to use words to bless my dad, to speak into his life, to pray over him. Folks, we can't miss that God has God appointed holy moments that can be anywhere from a casual conversation with somebody to something like my dad, where the words that we say are used and that they have power. I also witnessed this on, on the plane flight. We were, um, there's an older gentleman right in front of me on the end row, end of the row, and then his wife um, was right across the aisle and she was sitting right over here. And the flight's going on and he would just, he would just reach over to her. Now there, there was something going on where she was much older, um, probably to, you know, I'm just guessing, but probably dementia, just the way she reacted and stuff. And, and he would just reach over and touch her with his hand and say, honey, are you okay? How you doing? Can I get you anything? And he did this multiple times. And you could, you could just see the love and you could hear the love of words spoken uh, to his wife. And there was a guy at the hospital. When we walked in, the screener guy who takes your temperature and tells you whether you're an okay person or not, and you can go into the hospital. But, um, you know, I got an opportunity to, to, to talk with him and, and, and find out what's on in his life and his story. And it was, it was crazy things going on. And, and, and tragic. his wife had been in a hospital, you know, young, intubated for like 30 days, problems with her children. And I was able to speak truth, the gospel, and life into him being willing to be used by him, being willing to say words of truth and life. God puts us in those holy moments where we can speak life. And I just, and I, and, and just want to also through that, you know, with my story with my dad, I just want to recognize here, um, our church here, we've had a lot of people have gone through a pretty rough time here, have suffered the loss of a parent. Um, I just want you to continue to pray for the families. Things don't just stop. Once, uh, obviously, a person has passed away. And we still have a few people that are in the hospital, um, like my dad. So please, please do pray. Um, so, friends, this is no small 
thing, our words. And so can we, can we own this? Can we own this as the body here? Can we own this this morning? I want you to, okay? Now this morning we're going to look at four types of words which can help in, uh, and heal. So over to the light side, four different ways, which will govern how we use our words and how we are to speak. And so to help us navigate and to pivot to these healing words from, um, from words that hurt and damage, um, remember the verse, death or life. I want to use Proverbs 12, 18. We used that kind of as a foundational verse last week. And if you remember, um, we were able to use it to bounce off that and able to continue with the message. So let's use it again, Proverbs 12, 18. It says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Another verse or version puts it this way, that the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. So now do you guys remember the visual in this verse from last week? Okay, not the prince's bride thing. Okay, just gonna have to let that one go. All right, but the actual, the seriousness, the actual piercing of, if you think of a sword that pierces into a person, into a body, goes into flesh, moves to the inner part of, of that body, and reaches into the soul of that person. That is the visual, that's the picture that we have. Well, this week I want you to see the second part of the verse where it says, but the tongue of the what? What does it say? But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So what is the push here? What, what direction? Where is this verse going? It takes or involves wisdom. And healing words are wise words. So the insinuation is that words that are carefully thought of and thought out and chosen for the need of the person hearing them are words we need to use, and they are wise words. Now, I'm going to stop there just for a second, okay, because from yesterday, I mean, that's right, last week and this week, we're talking about how, how do we speak, how do we talk, and it can almost feel like, oh my gosh, every conversation I have has to be this perfect, wise conversation with somebody, and the fate of all humanity uh, just depends on the words coming out of my mouth in the next conversation that I have. Well, I mean, obviously, we have fun, silly conversations, don't we? We do. And of course, they're okay. But might this cause you just to think a little bit about even those conversations that we have? I just don't want you to walk out of here all paranoid in your conversations that you, you, know, you, you can't have or you're never going to have a conversation with me because I'm going to judge the words you are saying to me and I'm going to find out if they hit all the marks and all the points that we're talking about this morning. So I just want to put that disclaimer out there so you guys can breathe and you can relax, okay? So let's go ahead and start our first type of word that can help and heal, and that is kind, kind words. In other words, using kind words, and speaking kindly. Proverbs 15.4 in the message says this. It says, kind words heal and help. Cutting words wound and maim. And so if you want to get more into the thrust of that verse and a little bit deeper and decipher out of it, you can just go ahead and look it up in a, a different version. For instance, the NIV, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. And, and you can dig down as to what, what does that mean, the tree of life in there. But a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And then in Ephesians 4.32, it says this, 
be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. And so here we're talking about the body of Christ, so one another. How are we to look at this? We're to be kind to one another. Proverbs 16, 24, depending on what version you read, is either going to say gracious, pleasant, or kind words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And then Proverbs 15, 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, it stirs up anger. Now, let me give you another example. I want to give you an example of the power of words. And I'm going to go back to the, I'm going to go back over here to the dark side a little bit, okay? Um, unkind words, okay? And um, let's go back to California. You guys can live there with me for a little bit, okay? At the beach, I think, okay? And I think I may have shared this story before at one time or another. But we're doing a Bible study we're in a circle. We got these couples. Aaron and I are, 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 are teaching on communication or something. I can't even remember what it was. And so what we had did is, is we're having this talk, and we had talked to some other friends of ours who this group of people had no idea who they were, okay? We said, hey, could you guys, like, come over, you know, find us? We told them where we were, and could you come through here and, and just, like, have an argument, you know, and just, you know, as you walk through here? And, and so... Um, so they did that, and they did an amazing job. I mean, it was, they, they, were, they were so good. Well, come to find out, their marriage was in trouble. I had no idea. And the words that they were speaking, the piercing words, the words of the sword, they were truth in their minds. And they were having this heated argument, which we thought was fake, but ultimately it was real. And so the short of the long is, is, is this, this couple, they got a divorce. And um, bless your hearts, we had this couple that got up that went to go, oh, the poor couple, we need to go pray for them, talk to them, and help them out. And, and, um, and so, you know, unintended consequences. But to me, it was such a vivid, you know, when we were hearing those words and when they became real words and they pierced so much that the, there was... There was no healing that could take place for whatever reason in that couple. So unattended consequences, loser pastor. So anyways, it was a sad story. Let's move on. Now, Aaron and I, we were talking about this and, um, and, and I was asking her some questions. Like, what, do, what do you think, it, what does it look like to use kind words? And she said this, because your wife always says the most amazing things. Since, you know, using, using kind words, she said, do you notice how kind we are when we pray for, over people? How we affirm them, how we enter into whatever they're going on in their lives, how we show empathy, how we show kindness, Right? Isn't it true? And we, we, we talk to them, and, 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 and they're going through a tough time, and so we're, we're, we're kind. We use kind, kind words. So um, if you have trouble in conversation, just saying kind words, just turn it into a prayer. Rod, oh, bless you, Rod. I thank you that you know Jesus. Are you doing okay? Just pray over him. 
Anyways, you guys get the point there. Um, using kind words, we can, we can use them. If we can pray over them, then we can use them. So the first is what? Kind words. What's the second? Less words. All right? Less words if you want limiting our words. So you can look at this up on the internet. The numbers are different all over the place. But the average person speaks about 16,000 words a day. And we're not going to go into the guy speaks less than the woman, the woman speaks more than the guy. Because according to the internet, that is not true. What? It's, yeah, what? We all speak about the same amount, okay? It all just kind of averages out there. And uh, so, anyways. <laughs> I lost my place, guys. How about that? <laughs> I really did lose my place. <laughs> okay, I'm back. All right. Can you just pause the tape? Oh, it's live? Oh, sorry. Okay, here we go. Um, 16,000 uh, words a day. So we have plenty of opportunity to get in trouble, don't we, with all those words that we use. Uh, U.S. President Calvin Coolidge said this, I have noticed that nothing I never said ever did me any harm. Although, if you remember last week, if you're paying attention, we kind of proved that was not true, right? The things that we don't say uh, can cause harm. But um, anyway, so let's look at some Proverbs here that address this idea of limiting our words. Proverbs 10.19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 17.28 says, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. And I like this in the New Living Translation, um, Proverbs 21, 23. It says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. And then finally, 1727 says, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. And so the thought here is, is if we do believe that our words are powerful, then we need to pay a little more attention to them. Let me give you um, a few practical reasons of why we might want to limit the amount of words that we use when we're having a conversation or when we're talking with someone. The first one is that so we can hear what the other person is actually saying right? One of the basic communication principles we use in premarital counseling and talking with couples is listening to understand. We don't listen to answer. That comes later. We listen to understand so we know then how to answer. So um, Proverbs 18, 13 says this, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Proverbs 18, 15 says, I forgot to tell you there's going to be a lot of verses that you need to write down, but little late, but here we go. Proverbs 18, 15 says, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. So that means they stop, they acquire, they listen. For the ears of the wise seek it out. Secondly, it gives you time to think about then what you're going to answer, how you're going to answer. So first, it gives you uh, listening to understand. And once you understand, then it gives you time to go ahead and think about how to answer. In other words, time to figure out what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. Once again, in the New Living Translation, it says this in 1528, the heart of the godly 
thinks carefully before speaking. Okay, that's two down. So not only are we to speak kind words, and not only are we to speak less words, but thirdly, we're to speak honest words or truthful words if you would like. So when we do speak, it is important to make sure that we are on the truth train, that we are not playing games with people's emotions. We're not playing games with what's going on in a person's life because we are not speaking truth or we think they need to hear something that isn't true that's going to fix the problem. Ultimately, that's just going to get you in trouble. So it's important for us to speak honestly. Proverbs 12, 19 says, truthful lips endure forever. Proverbs 24, 26, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. And then back into Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, and then, then verse 15. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And so this is the body of Christ. We are called together to speak truth to one another. It's the way that God sanctifies us. He uses us, each one of us, in each other's lives as the body of Christ to help grow us closer and to become more like him. Verse 15 in, in Ephesians 4 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And so if you come right down to it, you know, telling the truth, it, it's right. It's fair, and it's kind. Because lying is the opposite. It just covers up things. It hides things. It keeps information. And you know what else? I think telling the truth, ultimately, is an act of love. And when we act in love, there's every opportunity, the doors open for healing to take place. Proverbs 27, 6, a very familiar verse. You guys have heard this often. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And I see that as love. Even when what we're going to say to somebody is difficult, even what we're going to say to somebody is, is really hard, and it may cost us that relationship maybe for a little while, it's the right thing to do. But what we need to put into play are the ways that we do it, right? What's involved with it? Kind few words, the right words, wise words, everything that we've been learning. And so when we move into that place, when we are speaking, faithful are the wounds of the friends, like, oh my goodness, Grace, this is great. I just have to go tell them. Brother, you are a turd. I, I just have to tell you. I mean, you are so bad. But do you know what you did to so-and-so? When you said that, and you, know, you should be so ashamed of yourself. You call yourself a Christian? A Christ follower? I just don't know what to do with you. Okay. It doesn't work that way. When we approach somebody, we talk with them, we speak to them in love. Faithful, faithful words 
are words that are spoken wisely. They are, um, uh, they are few words. They are honest. They are truthful words as we speak to them. And so what that's going to play into now is our final way that we speak uh, healing into people. Okay, our fourth type of word is called apt. Isn't that weird? A-P-T. So this is the type of words that we speak to each other. Not only do we speak kind words, not only do we speak less words, not only do we speak honest words, but we speak apt words. Kind of, a, kind of an interesting word there, but Proverbs 15.23 says this, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. And so do we, what do we mean by apt? Okay, it's saying the right thing. This is what I think it is. It's saying the right thing in the right way at the right time. An apt word. And, and I think that this can be one of the hardest words in our four words to kind of apply and use because it takes a lot of wisdom, I think, to know what to say and when to say it and how to say it. You know, it, it needs to fit the moment, the situation, the temperature of what's going on, all of that has to come together. And we've got to remember when we are, are speaking aptly with somebody, and, um, and this is true about any time we have conversations, it's not all about you, okay? You're a part of this conversation, but we want to think of the other person first. It's about them. And so, we have to put all those things together, speaking aptly to a person. And what does it do? If we're able to do this, an apt answer is what? What's the first say? An apt answer is joy. It's joy. It is joy to a man. It is a joy to a woman. And think about that. So when we, we get this down, we do this right, we figure out how to communicate, how to use our words. The ultimate result of this is that it brings joy to a person. And that's what we want. And that's what we want. Proverbs 25, um, 11, another verse here to help us, says a word fitly spoken. So it's kind of just like that, meaning that uh, done correctly at the right time, the right place, the right moment. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. And I'm not sure 100% what that all means and what's the value. People, you know, commentaries are going to the value. It must mean this. So it's worth X amount of millions of dollars. Therefore, it's really important. Um, but I, I think the idea here is, is that if we say the right words, again, if we say them in the right way, if we say them at the right time, What does it look like? I think that they're going to be full of beauty. I think they're going to be skillful. I think they're going to be pleasing. And as somebody uh, I read, they said this. They said, it's almost like it's an artistry. That it's so beautiful that you can see it and it, and it gleams and it works. And so an apt answer, a word uh, will put, if you want another way to think about it, think about these things here, Okay. What an apt answer is, it's going to do a few things. It's going to embrace the right timing. And you're going to hear me say the same thing over and over again here. And we're going to get this. It's going to embrace the right timing. 
It's going to be the right amount of words. It's going to be graciously and kindly and gently spoken. It's going to be discerning. It's going to be honest. And it's going to be truthful words. In other words, what? A word aptly spoken brings all the types of words that can help and foster healing in the people. The things that we've been talking about this morning here, kind words, less words, honest words, truthful words, all that comes together and sits in this pocket of an apt word. Okay, turn the corner here, heading for the finish line. So we all know how to speak, right? You all know how to speak? got this down? Absolutely, right? Yeah. It's all good stuff. Principles, practical advice. But can I be honest with you? Why do people say that, right? <laughs> because everything I've told you has been a lie so far. But now, you can throw that all out the window, and I'm just going to be honest with you right now, okay? But um, everything I told you it doesn't work unless, okay? A certain amount of principles, they, 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 they work for a time, okay? It doesn't work unless there's a transformed heart behind it. And that is where lives the true power of the words that we use. Because you see, words reveal what's truly in our hearts. Luke 6.45 says, uh, Jesus speaking, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And so when the Bible talks about the heart, it doesn't mean our emotions, okay? But it's you, it's your core, it's your soul, it's, it's who you are, it's your heart that makes you you, the innermost part of you. And it's your heart that is transformed when you become a Christ follower. In Romans 10.10, 10, it says, For it is with your heart. How do we come to the Lord? It is with your heart that you believe. It's not an emotional, although it can be, experience, but it's in the most deepest part of you when you connect and you believe. Uh, you believe and you are justified. That means we are transformed. We are changed. God says, because of what my son did, you're okay. Come to me. And so without Jesus, our hearts are damaged. They're like on life support. They're, they're like my dad's heart. 100% blockage in one artery. 90% blockage in another artery. 70% blockage on the other arteries. Okay? He needed heart surgery. We need heart surgery. We need a transplant, if you will. The arteries of our heart, the arteries of our soul, they need to be cleared and they need to be cleansed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, and this is what happens. This is where the cleansing happens. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if we are a new creation, if we've come to him, we've accepted Jesus as our, our Lord and Savior, we are now a new creation. The old has passed away. It's been cleansed. It's been moved out. Behold, the new has come. A transplant has taken place. And so that's what happens when we become Christ followers, and that gives us the power through the Holy Spirit to speak these healing words. They're now not just words, but there is power behind them. There is truth behind them. And yes, you know, guys, we're not perfect, are we? And we know we're going to fall. We know we're going to sin. 
We know we're going to get stuck. Our hearts are going to get gunked up with sin. But we can ask for forgiveness, can't we? Don't we have a great God? We can ask for forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9, right? If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is in the cleaning business. He cleanses us. He cleanses us. It's like dialysis. My dad, too. Sorry, dad, for using you for all these examples. But it's, it's relevant to me right now, obviously, in my life, and I think it, it makes sense here. So he's got renal failure. So he has to have dialysis every other day. And what does that do? It cleanses and it cleans the blood, and then he gets some new blood, and it boosts his hemoglobin. And so he's refreshed, actually, you know, by that. It makes things better. So we need dialysis from the Lord. Now let me switch a little bit here again. You may not be a Christ follower. And the truth is, if that's not the case, whether you're listening uh, online or whether you're here, you're on life support. You are in the ICU. But that's okay because God has a way of getting you out of the ICU. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While you, while me, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Back to Romans 10.10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you're saved. If you haven't done that and if you don't know Christ, you can do that right now. And I just I do want to challenge you. We cannot leave this alone. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're listening, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now, at this moment, he wants to cleanse you. He wants to do a heart transplant in you. And really what you have to do is you just have to completely yield to him. You have, to, you have to be able to say to God, I have been trying it my own way. I have sinned. Yes, I have sinned against you. Lord, will you forgive me? I am so sorry. I want you in my life. I want a heart transplant. I want to be transformed. I want to know that if I die today, that I will be with you forever. And you can do that by confessing your sin and accepting the truth that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, here on earth to die for the sin that you have. And then not only died, but he conquered death. He was raised from the dead so that you may have life and you can have it life abundantly. And so if that's you, just bow your head right now. Just pray to God. I'm not even going to lead you in a prayer. The Holy Spirit's going to do that with you. Just speak to God honestly. Ask him to forgive you. Accept that truth. And you have a heart transplant. And you become a new creation. Okay, we're going to finish on these statements. I want you to write this down, leave with something, okay? Um, you ready? Got your pens out? Okay. Are the words that I speak, do they speak death or do they speak life? I want you to think on that. You got a couple, couple things to think about. Are the words that I speak, do they speak death or do they speak life? Linworth, let's be people who speak life into each other and to other people in our circles. Let our words be bathed in the language of God. 
let God's word be our teleprompter. I was listening to a message this week, and this guy used this visual of a teleprompter. And when I do some of the videos for the, for the youth, sometimes I have this teleprompter, and I put my iPad on there, and it just kind of screens up the words. And um, it actually listens to your voice, and it can read your voice, and it moves the teleprompter based on what you're saying, okay? And so what if our teleprompter, meaning what about the things that come out of our mouth, what if the teleprompter is God's words? And, we're, and we have God's word so much into us that what comes out and what we're reading as we talk and as we communicate with people are God's words, God's thoughts, God's principles. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it richly dwell in you. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I have one quote to finish things off with. And this is from a, a pastor, John Bloom. He says this, Today, make your mouth a fountain of life. Be slow to speak in general. Encourage more than you critique. Seek opportunities to speak kind, tender-hearted words. Say something affectionate to a loved one at an unexpected time. Seek to only speak words that are good for building up, that give grace to those who hear. Be a person whose mouth is full of life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the challenge of just learning how to speak, Lord. Uh, Lord, I want to be on the side of life. And I want to be on the side where my words speak life and healing um, into people. Lord, I know I'm not perfect. And I know my friends here are not perfect. But Father, you've given us the tools, the opportunity. And most of all, you've given us the Holy Spirit to help us uh, in this. And so we, we, we be those people. We, we be a church, a person, a community, a friend, a husband, a wife, a son, or a daughter, a mom, or dad, who speaks life into people. And I just want to lift up our um, outreaches uh, that are coming up. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would just, uh, those, those gifts would get to the right houses. Lord, that you would use the children that are, are doing the You've Been Egged ministry, that they would just be able to get it to the right friends. We pray that uh, the gospel track, uh, that people would read it, and right there in that moment, in that time, that they would accept the gift of salvation from you. Lord, we are, are to be about your mission. We want to continue to be about it. Lord, we feel you have led us in this arena and, and way of doing this. And so we ask for your blessing uh, in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, guys, this is what uh, you're going to pick up if you want, kids. This is the You've Been Egged basket, okay? And so um, outside, when you leave, they'll be there. And then this is, what, um, this is what the other bag looks like here. And lots of good chocolate in there. But there's, uh, I think, 10 different bags connected to it. You put these on, on your neighbor's doors. And there'll be the Christmas, excuse me, the Easter track in there, uh, along with a, a card for them. 
And so it's a very easy thing to do just to be able to put it on their door. And then we're going to have some life groups that are going to pass them out here around the church. So this is a very easy, fun way to be a part of our mission here. As, as not just Linworth Community Church, uh, but as a Christ follower, it's our mission to get the word out. So amen. Okay, you guys have a blessed day. We'll, we'll see you next, uh, maybe Good Friday and Easter. Take care.